is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Crystal Skillman, we dive deep on the creation of Rain and Zoe Save the World, what this show means to her, how long it's been coming together, and so much more. So, as Zoe says in the show, Let's ride! I want to talk about the creation of this play. We're in 2022. The play opens in less than a month. <laughs> when did this idea come to you? Would you want to scare me? So, Clay, that's what this is just a scary, it's this a scare is called a scary podcast. A scary, scary, scary tactic. It's called. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, well, it's it's been, you know, five years of development from from uh, Brave New World Rep, uh, Earth Matters on Stage. It was shopped in Alaska. Um, New Harmony Project is, is was a pivotal point where I worked on the script for two weeks and I kind of found this draft that you're pretty much going to see um, in the show uh, with a, with a lot of wonderful additions and, and fixes since that time. Um, you know, for me, it came from uh, wanting to write a story about two teenagers that, that you know, aren't going to just give up in a time of fatigue and a time of um, real challenges. But I started writing the play in 2015. So, I mean, uh, so the political issues, the problems, the, the things we're facing um, have grown and they've been articulated and, and happen in different ways now. But, you know, we li have lived in a turbulent time for, for a long, long time. So I was writing um, this and parts of this journey play, uh, which is they go on a motorcycle from Seattle to um, the East Coast. Um, to shut down a pipeline. Um, and so I use structure-wise to come back to that, uh, the, the journey. It is a journey play. Um, it had They go across the states. I kind of use that. Um, and all those things from Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance uh, to the motorcycle diaries to, you know, this is very much my own thing, but I've understood the genre in which I'm writing. This came from my dad was a race car driver. And so very early in my childhood, I moved when I was six from California to the East Coast, but we took a, a, a seven-day trip, which is actually um, what happens with Rain and Zoe. And so a lot of the journey and the visuals and the experience came from 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 me doing that. And my dad also had a, you know, a big motorcycle rider, and he actually stole my mom away from her first husband on a motorcycle. So a lot of their family his history of being activists and hippies in this kind of world ended up being a part of um, Rain and Zoe's, um, you know, p the things they're working on with their parents because Zoe talks to the moon because she doesn't have her mom and her mom was a uh, extreme activist. She actually tried to shut down the same refinery they're going to and ended up going to jail for it. Um, and she doesn't know what happened to her now. She hopes that she'll be at the protest. She believes she will be and she'll reconnect with her. And um, Rain's uh, father, uh, we discover what happens to him in the play, but he keeps talking to this bike dad who shows up and, and talks to him. So a lot of, of me ended up in this play um, uh, and, and then had this challenge of on stage, how do we show this road trip play and how do you really feel like you're on that motorcycle with them? And I'd seen a lot of plays dealing with bikes and vehicles and motorcycles that I thought were absolutely wonderful. Like, and, uh, and so I was lucky to have those. Um, two of my favorites are obviously Viet Gone by Kui Gwyn and also Bike America by Mike Liu, um, two really great plays, um, really wonderful pieces. Um, as I was going, I kept seeing that the motorcycle was organic and that the, there are two other players that helped make that motorcycle with Rain and Zoe rather than a 
relying on just a physical object, at least in this case of the show, because we also, I wanted to go to as many locations as possible. And I wanted to, but I wanted it not to feel like you're watching a film on stage. I want to use a cinematic technique that was theatrical in a theatrical space on stage. So, you know, I thought a lot about how to do that. And then, um, and then Hirsch Ellis and I started working on some workshops of it. And he saw it very much the same way and took forward some of those thoughts. And I thought, oh, that's so great. Um, because early on, when I would share this, talk about not waiting, <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of theaters read the play, saw the merit of the writing, um, but also didn't quite get the gravitas. Like you know, they they because because I have a darkly humorous voice, and so you really have to to look for that. And in and, and it's quite a meaningful play, but they also probably looked at it and said this should this might maybe this is a screenplay, because there are there are a lot of locations. Um, and I'm so excited by how we found a way to make that feel intimate and real and that you're with them, not like you're watching a movie. Um, and it's very human. Uh, and I would say the crafting of the play took time. There were <clears throat> initially too many locations. I did I did cut them down. There were way more before that. And another big shift that I made in New Harmony was that you used to, uh, it was, Rain and Zoe were getting lost in the story because uh, I originally had six ensemble members, two were Rain and Zoe, and there were four doing everything else. And I had other people, a lot of people they would meet on the journey. And I think they were just taking away from it. So it was kind of living in this half naturalistic, half theatrical space. Mm. And then I found the balance of the naturalism here, being with Rain and Zoe in the scenes and the very um, heightened, uh, uh, clear arguments and debates they're having about climate change. They both want to change it, but they see it so differently. One argue, Rain is like, is this even possible? I'm not being negative. I'm just saying we have to be practical and zoe um feels that that kind of negativity takes away from the drive of the movement and so you know there's you follow their their progression in the play um and i very much wanted to write two characters that change completely by the end of the play and if I've, and that changes in each other um so that was really um, exciting to do. The other thing was that uh, my cousin-in-law, Ken Ward, um, is a big uh, environmental activist. The Reluctant Radical on um, um, Amazon is uh, is uh, Prime, I believe, um, is uh, a movie you can watch about his life. And uh, he stopped a coal barge. Um, and that was a big part of, of, uh, of this conversation of like saving the earth and like using that as a defense and, and what this can do to make us challenge ourselves in terms of these kinds of actions. Um, and I was really moved by that. And I was started to just kind of really get interested in people, you know, what would it take for a teacher to leave their life and, and to go and follow this kind of movement? What would it take for, you know, um, a 16 year old to go with their father? So I, I was reading all these stories. And of course, it made complete sense because the situation and stakes are so dire. And I felt this way. And you know, we felt this way for a long time, but definitely in 2015, and now it's only increased from here. Mm -hmm. um, and typically I'm writing about something that we kind of catch up to later. Um, there are a lot of climate change plays I love. A lot of them deal with scientists themselves. Um, and I wanted to keep this almost like a, a very family or, or very fr friendship oriented play dealing with that. The end of the play, and really what I consider to be the, the heart and, well, the word soul comes up in the play, and these per parental relationships, the family dynamics that you have here, there's fighting climate change is a part of the story, but there's so much more than just that, and it's how it affects each individual on their own journey. I'm very curious what creating this story has done for your soul. 
how has it filled you up in creating such a beautiful, a beautiful theatrical piece? Oh, thank you, Clay. Well, um, I really, it keeps me going, you know, I mean, I, we're all, uh, we all experience fatigue and, and need to find a way to self-care and at the same time move forward because it's, uh, we're in this together. And so I, you know, that through writing it, I feel like I've seen people connect with the message. I've seen, I've seen also with this particular play, which I did not know, but in, in New Harmony, we're in the middle of uh, Indiana and some of the people on the board, um, uh, at the time, uh, pick the, pick the play, but there were different, so many different people in that room at that reading, some, some not as far in their climate, uh, crisis, uh, journey, not that they were full deniers, but maybe not, not, not understanding the stakes that, that kind of, we all feel every day, maybe, um, in a city. And, uh, it just, it just clicked. It just, you know, people were crying at the end, people were coming up to me. So I thought, I thought this is something that can reach people, whether they think about this every day, whether they only stopped at the, the idea of recycling, whether they are curious what their teenagers think and feel and want to, as parents kind of go through that journey with, with their families, maybe with their teenagers next to them and all those things. So it, I think the, the, what it's done to my soul is seeing how impactful the play is on other people and audiences. One of my favorite stories in uh, Oregon contemporary theater, they did a reading of it. Um, and they said, ask the audience if they had any questions. And it was really cool because they had like, um, 20 somethings, 30 somethings. I'm not sure if teenagers were there. Uh, they had, uh, you know, 70 year old audience members that kind of had the intergenerational gamut and someone in their 70s stood up and said, yeah, I have one question. When are you going to do the play? We need to see this play. Like, when are you going to do it? <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, well, can you come to can you come to every reading? That's so fantastic. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, it just there's something about the the particular ending of the play and how it connects the theater to the cause to these characters um, uh, that gives people hope and, and hopefully, you know, makes us understand that you know it's not impossible we just need to to do it one action at a time i love that i love this conversation thank you for joining me and i have to ask this is this is fun slightly different format than what i usually do on the show here but i do want to end it with my go-to question which is metaphorically speaking if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see does anything come to mind oh yes yes Wherever you go, whatever you do, I bless your badass self. <laughs> I'm stealing a little bit because that's a line from the play, I but I think we all should, all need to be reminded that we are badasses and um, we deserve things. We deserve joy. We deserve comfort and love, and uh, and we deserve to give those things back to others. Amen to that. Amen to you, and thank you for doing this. Crystal, this has been a joy. Thank you, Clay. People of the world, Crystal Skillman. <laughs> You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.